HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi there, I'm Yom, host of Item 13, an African food podcast. I am excited to be joining the Heritage Radio Network this year as we kick off our fourth season of the podcast. On Item 13, we cover all aspects of the African food ecosystem. You will hear West Africans squabble over who has the best jollof. Newsflash, it's Ghana. It's time to celebrate our jollof. Like we are done with comparing who and who did what. And jollof is not just about even the rice, it's about the protein that goes with it. Guests share their expertise on African food ingredients and spices. This is a region where, you know, even if you look at 18th century maps, you know, you had something called the pepper coast. Fresh and aromatic peppers. That is what distinguishes West Africa. Tips on marketing food businesses. A good way to engage your audience is to take them on that journey. You know, get them talking about this idea you have. That way you're engaging them, they're engaging with each other, and you're getting useful insights that you can then pull from and use to develop your recipe. This season, my goal is to focus on more stories outside of English-speaking West Africa. So you'll hear stories from Benin, from Uganda, Liberia, and even Haiti. You'll also hear us discuss the impact of the Black Lives Matter movement and how COVID-19 has impacted some of the businesses featured on the show. You can catch up now on previous episodes of Item 13, wherever you listen to podcasts, and join us this season as we debut on HRN. Thank you. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you by Sombra Mezcal. Sombra Mezcal, if you drink 480 bottles of Sombra Mezcal, you are building a house. If you want to know how, wait until the end of this episode of Agave Road Trip. In the meantime, strap yourself in for another episode of Lou and Chava's Agave Road Trip. This is Lou Bank. This is Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps educate gringo bartenders about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today, Chava, today, Chava, 
I want to talk to you about the phrase that makes me crazy. There's many phrases that make you crazy. Which specifically makes you the craziest? <laughs> that's that's fair. We could do a whole other series of podcasts about the, the phrases that make me crazy. But this, this particular phrase is when I hear people, and I hear it from people who are in the industry, who are professionals, who are well-regarded educators about agave spirits. The phrase is this. It is, all tequilas are mezcal. But not all mezcals are tequila. Who the hell? Why? What? Everybody. Everybody. Oh. Just Google that phrase. And like every, everybody. Except me. Uh, except you. Yeah, <laughs> so, you're, you're the special me, one, yeah. turns out. I'm the yeah, special guy. Yeah. That's right. So, so, you know, that might have been true up until 1993. But then in 1994, the Mexican government took possession of the word mezcal when they turned it into a, a DO, a denomination of origin, um, and and got all these other countries, including uh, the USA, to sign agreements saying that we will not use that, allow that word to be used for anything that the Mexican government does not authorize it for. Yes, and it also decided that if you were to make mezcal and if you were to make tequila, you were playing with different rules, to, totally. Yeah, different rules, different states, Literally, you cannot make mezcal in the state of Jalisco. Well, you can't you can't make an agave spirit in the state of Jalisco and call it mezcal. You can call it tequila, and you can call it ricea, and there you go. You can't call it mezcal. Wait, 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 no, no. There's so many other names you can use in Jalisco to call agave spirits. Uh, uh. What? what? You, you, are, wait, you're you're not aware of this? Uh, you, you, <laughs> so you think that if you go to Jalisco and you walk into a bar, you can only ask for ricea or tequila? That's your no, no, perception? no. You could also ask for beer and wine. <laughs> you could get rum. Oh, good lord! We got some tape from our friend, my superhero, your friend, my superhero, Pedro Jimenez from Mizonte, my favorite place to drink outside of my own basement. Um, talking about this very issue, the names that are used for the various agave spirits in Jalisco Pedro. And well, if you go north, you can find Tepe or Tuchi, just like in the border with Durango, Zacatecas, Nayarit. Um, if you will go way south of Jalisco in the border with Colima, you will find, uh, well, there are several names there. Uh, the most ancient one is Tusca because of the region of Tusca Cuesco, uh, but also they've called uh, Vino Mezcal or Vino de Mezcal. If you go to the west side of Jalisco, uh, it's, uh, well, it's Raicilla most of the time. And as you go further to the center of, of Jalisco, you'll find vino de lechuguilla, vino de cerro, vino de olla. Okay, so there you go. Okay, so uh, it's not all tequila and Raicilla. It's a big, and that's, you know, that's just one state. That's just one state. And that's only the places that Pedro has been to. And he's very well-traveled, and he knows a lot more than we do. Yep. But he hasn't covered the whole state. It's, it's a massive piece of land. So there might be so many other names hiding here and there. And I think the most fascinating thing for me about these different names is that they start giving you clues about how different each of these communities are how different their traditions in many other ways are and how they synthesize or they come together to make extremely different agave spirits, right? Well, and, I, I, I don't even know that I would say different agave spirits because I think, you know, I, I think you can get into one community and taste uh, spirits that go by the same name and, 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 and their neighbors making them in very similar ways and they taste so 
different. I think, honestly, for me, the piece that fascinates me is that they don't want to be bound by this common name, right? Like I'm in Chicago and and we're the we're the home of stuffed pizza and deep dish pizza, which you took me to, and I was traumatized by it. I th- I thought they were in a good way or a bad way. You know, when you get traumatized, it's in both ways. It's always a bittersweet experience, <laughs> <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was no exception. But but you know, in Chicago, like we say, oh, these are our kinds of pizza, and then you go to New York and they're like, that's not pizza. <laughs> People like they absolutely refuse to accept that deep dish pizza is a pizza. And we're like, no, 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 it's a kind of pizza. And yet, you go to these communities in Mexico, and they're like, no, it's. It's not a mezcal, it's tepe. It's a different thing. It's its own thing. Mm. And it's also interesting because there's many stories about why people stopped using the word mezcal, right? And I think we've discussed about this a little bit before. And there's theories about people stopped using mezcal because it was understood to be a lower grade agave spirits, or it was not as elegant as I'm drinking tequila in my house. Well, yeah. And to be fair, right? Like I've, I've heard all the stories, like maybe the, maybe they started using the word Ricea, uh, in order to avoid taxes. It's not really a spirit. Uh, it's, it's a, a medicine that's made from roots. Doesn't Ricea mean roots? Yeah. 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 yeah like, yes. Roots. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, there's that story, like there's a lot of stories, um, but I, I also, you know, I, I think back to what Pedro was saying to us about how this really does reflect a different, it reflects the cultures in the communities where it's made. And and I, I hesitate to accept the idea that they said, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't want to be seen as mezcal, so we're going to call it something else to reflect our culture. I really wonder if it isn't more a case that they didn't know the word mezcal was being used in other places, right? Yes, and I think, and, and, I, and I will really love to roll a tape of another quote from Pedro, and uh, because I think that if you're very proud of your product, yeah, it doesn't. You don't really care. How, like if if the way they're calling it refers to what you're doing and you're proud of it. I think you're going to be happy with the name one way or another. So I like, we're discussing <laughs> a lot of things with Pedro and I, I would really like to pull out a little bit of what he said to us in this regard. <laughs> okay. Boy, this is, I think this is the first time we've done two roles in a single episode. It was an awesome conversation. It was an awesome it was. conversation. It was. Okay. Roll, roll tape two of Pedro. See that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just like, they don't care. I mean, if people are, want to call it like that or, or any other way, but that's up to them. For them, it's a cultural thing. They won't change. It's just like a word in their language. They won't change it because just like a foreign people, and I know I don't mean about uh, outside of Mexico. I mean outside of their community. Will tell them, oh, this is a mezcal, or this is a, an agave spirit, or this is comil, or this is whatever. They will keep using their word because that's their culture. And it's always been like that. So they won't change it and they won't refuse to use their word. It'll be like against that. I mean, they won't stop calling it Tepe or they won't stop calling it Raicilla just because a DAO or just because a commercial purpose or anything like that. It's, it's their culture and it's their identity and they won't change that, even if the law prohibits that. Okay, so so there you go. I think that's uh, <laughs> whether it's... Um... Whether people have made the name before it was called Mezcal, they didn't know that it was called Mezcal, or they used it because they didn't like Mezcal, I, I don't think that matters. I think Pedro's really hit the nail on the head here. If they're proud of their community, and they're proud of what they're making, 
they're going to call it by the name they want to call it. And because I think also one of their biggest missions or, you know, if you're good at what you do and you feel proud of it, you want more people to be close to it. So you're going to be smart. You're going to be listening to how people call that. I mean, you do that in your profession, right? Like when people tell you, what do you do for a living, Lou? You have understood <laughs> after many years how, how to call what you do, and, uh, and you don't care as, clear, you know, uh, as long as it's clear. Well, you know, sort of. I actually kind of, not even sort of, I think it's the opposite of that. I think I am exactly the antithesis of what you're saying. And it, and it goes back to my, uh, my pizza model, right? Like, I live in this world um, that's built around efficiency, and that efficiency... Uh, it also involves communication. So if we can't call deep dish pizza pizza, what do we call it that people will quickly understand what it means? And I think, I think what Pedro is saying, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm not putting words in his mouth. I'm interpreting what he said, and and I'm acknowledging at the same time that my interpretation comes from a world that attempts efficiency, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what he's saying is. I don't want to make it easy for you to understand this. It's, that's not my goal. My goal is not for you to quickly understand what I am doing. My goal is for you to understand the totality of my culture and my heritage. And to do that, you've really got to work. This is not about putting a tag on a bottle mm. and putting it in the right place in the liquor store to make things easy for you. This is not about making things easy for you. This is about understanding something, and understanding isn't always easy. Yes, and I think it's also about making people understand the scale of this and just understanding that if you're going to you know, jump into this rabbit hole it's going to take you quite a while. Like you might, you really have to be careful if you want to jump into the rabbit hole that Tepe, Raicilla, Iscateco, <laughs> Mezcal, Agave Spirits, and all those things uh, has prepared for you, right? Because, and I think one of the most interesting things that he was referring to, it's it's as significant if you ask for a bottle of Mezcal in some places as if you were to ask for a specific type of dance, a ritual dance. That amount of elements that have to converge to create that specific ritual of the deer dance, for example, hmm. is the same that it has to converge to make an agave spirits that has all those elements of that community, including the name. Huh. So I think names are really important. I, I do really think that if we make our homework and take our time and realize the names of the specific agave spirits we're exploring, we might get the chance to know a lot more about these drinks and the people that are making this. Yeah, you know, it, it actually it brings to mind something that Jason Cox uh, has said to me in the past. Jason, who uh, who owns the brand Cinco Sentidos, this brand of uncertified agave spirits. He, he told me on one of our uh, road trips together, previous to the Agave Road Trip podcast, um, <laughs> he, he told me that he was a little bit nervous every time he went to buy a batch of spirits from one of the mescaleros from whom he sources spirits. And, and his concern was that literally just by, by paying this person this amount of money and taking their spirits and putting it into a bottle and sending it um, to a land thousands of miles away, that he was affecting the culture, that he became this agent of change in the culture. And he loves the cultures of these communities and he's worried that he's changing them 
um, when he does this. And, and, and so all of this makes me think about what, what Pedro said and about uh, how they're selecting these different names. And it makes me think that maybe these names that are really hard to know, that you can't know without going to the place, maybe that actually protects the place. Yes, and protects the diversity, which I think is the biggest challenge here. Not to have one spirit the same in every place. We want spirits that have a soul and a thing to say and character and teeth and nails. And I think that's the cool part about the names, that it's the tip tipping point of it all. Okay, so every tequila is an agave spirit, but not every agave spirit is a tequila. <laughs> 2020 Lubank. Thank you guys for listening <laughs> to us. We're wrapping this up. <laughs> Hasta pronto. Adios. This episode of Agave Road Trip has been brought to you by our friends at Sombra Mezcal. Sombra is an artisanal 100% Espadine Agave Mezcal handcrafted in Oaxaca. Each step of production, from fermentation to distillation, has been reimagined to reduce its environmental impact. One way they do that is they build houses using the waste materials that come from that process. So Chava, can you tell me about that? Absolutely. And you know, one of the biggest enemies that I've had in my life is concrete, right? Every time I see a concrete house in a little town in Oaxaca, I, I just get my heart crushed. Because before, they used to use adobe. And adobe was such a smart solution. It was just made with dirt and fibers that were around them. And it's basically an organic way to build a house. It's like it becomes compost in the long run if you just let it go. So what they did in Sombra that was brilliant is they will take the leftovers of the production, binases, which if you throw to the river, you're just completely going to kill it because they're acid, they're oxygen starved. They just like, they don't like rivers. They'll just completely smash them. Ew, so yeah. they take that, they take the dirt from the mountains and, and, and the fiber of the used agave, and they make these beautiful adobe breaks that then they use to build houses in vulnerable communities. Oh, that's lovely. So according, uh, according to my notes here, so far they've built 20 houses from the adobe bricks they made from the spent materials. Yes, and I think my favorite part is they're beautiful houses that when I see them, I don't get my heart crushed because they're made out of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you road trippers want to drink delicious mezcal and you want to help build homes and you want to keep Chava's heart intact, go to sombramezcal.com and, uh, and order a bottle to be delivered to your home. Awesome. Well, see you next time, road trippers. Adios. Hasta pronto. Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Welcome to Chava and Lou's Chat Fest, the podcast within a podcast that has nothing to do with agave, agave spirits, or rural Mexico, unless it does. Okay, so last episode, I told a very long, convoluted, full of flaws <laughs> and weird timing story about my grandmother and my grandfather. I hope people don't get the idea that my grandfather kidnapped my grandmother, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> It sounds more likely, based on what I know of the uh, the female side of your family, far more likely that your grandmother would have kidnapped your grandfather. Yeah, kick him on the head and they just get the corpse and marry him. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's your turn, Lou, because I, I've known you for a long time and I met you with your wife, Connie, but I've never actually listened to your love story. 
God, I think you actually pronounced her name correctly for the first time, which is going to disappoint Bruce Costa because he loved hearing you say Coney. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. Um, so so I, uh, Connie, Connie uh, is my, my forever wife, and she's my second wife. Um, and I, I had the blessing of the first, the first woman that I married was somebody that I didn't like. Like, if you're going to have... If you're going to have a starter wife, you really shouldn't, like, if you even like her a little bit, it's really hard to leave. When you don't, it becomes super easy. So I didn't like her. <laughs> we got a divorce. And then I built all of these rules uh, for dating. <laughs> okay. So this was pre-Tinder, pre-digital things. Like, you didn't have filters and stuff. There was online dating, to be sure, right? Um, but... Uh, and and I did some of that, but I, you know I also had that was one of my rules was um, that that I had to talk to strangers. Just if I found them attractive, I would talk. I I had this line I would use: "You, you look like you are gonna have dinner at some point today. I am gonna have dinner at some point today. Maybe we could have dinner together." I use that line a lot. Uh, did you ever got punched, like kicked? Up? Never. No? No. No. Almost always worked, in fact. Really? Almost always worked. Now, <clears throat> you know, different day and time, right? Okay. I'll give you that. So, so you think it's the, like, because I'm thinking about the potential of this. Do you think it could work still these days or I'm going to get like uh, into trouble? Oh, I think, I think it would work very well in Mexico. Yeah, no, like... Okay, I'll think about this. Maybe I need to just reassess my style. But anyway, skip on going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I had all of these rules. And among the rules was um, uh, when you date a woman, if you're going to break it off, break it off as gently as possible. Uh, that's nice. In other words, try to, try to maintain a friendship. Mm -hmm. Because beautiful women hang out with beautiful women. Okay, I see. Like, this is not you being nice. This is just, just being practical. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. It's me being practical. So this uh, this woman I had had a few dates with, it, like, it, it was great, but wasn't a fit for me, wasn't a fit for her. Um, so one day she calls me and says, hey, Lou, uh, I've got uh, this, this, this arts party that I'm hosting with a friend of mine. It was right before Christmas, and they were taking their condo and they were going to invite artists in to sell their artistic, their art, to sell, to sell their art uh, to people looking for Christmas gifts, right? So she says, Lou, I need somebody to work the door and take coats. Okay. Hey, I can, and, oh, and somebody, I need somebody, she said, I need somebody to work the door and take coats, and there are going to be a lot of beautiful women there. Oh, cool. I like beautiful women. I like coats, and I like doors. And you said, me, 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 me. Right, exactly. <laughs> so... I, I, I diligently did that, uh, took coats, worked the door, and then, I don't know, probably an hour in, Connie walks in, and I'm, I, I abandon my post, and I follow her around this <laughs> art party for the rest of the night, talking to her, trying to get her to pay attention to me, and she just keeps blowing me off, keeps blowing me off. Um, but this so, was before you knew anything about agave spirits, right? So you didn't have this card to throw. Um... This no, this was this was literally the same year that I started drink two thousand five. Same year I started drinking agave spirits. So okay, so you so still, yeah, so she just completely blew me off. Yeah, and then after the party, I asked uh, my friend if she could, you know, hey, could could you 
I asked my friend, could you introduce <laughs> me to her? Like, could you connect us? And she tried a few times and Connie just kept blowing her off. And in fact, one time I was out to dinner with this woman uh, and, and we bumped into Connie and another guy and went over and talked and Connie wouldn't even look at me. Wouldn't even look at me. She's smart. She's smart. Yes. So (laughs) she knew what was better for her. (laughs) Right. So then October rolls around and her name is Kari. I guess I should say her name. So this friend Kari asks if I want to go with her to a Halloween party that she is a co-host of. There are like eight gals, each of whom is a co-host of this party that they have annually for Halloween. And the theme of the party uh, that year, it's 19, uh, I'm sorry, it's 2000. It's 2006. Yeah, 2006. Um, The theme is the 30th anniversary of MTV. So I'm dressed as David Lee Roth, the former lead singer of of Van Halen. I've got the leather pants and I've got a big curly blonde wig. And I think, I think it's the curly blonde wig that threw Connie off because she talked to me. Wow. And then, and we, right? And we talk. And then she'd excuse herself because she had to go and serve jello shots. And then she'd come back. But here's the thing is at this point, I was actually dating a woman who lived across the street from where Connie lived, just coincidentally. And so at, at the, I don't know, probably nine o'clock is my bedtime. I said, well, it's been great talking to you. Uh, I got to go to my girlfriend's place across the way. Uh, but but hope to see you again. And hey, I'm in this chili cook-off uh, in, in, on November 11th. And uh, if you show up, I'll bring some of my sweet potato pie. She had told me how much she loved sweet potatoes. And I told her that I made the world's best sweet potato pie. So she shows up and I, and, and, and she, she emailed me that she was going to show up. And so I invited her to sushi afterwards. Okay. Right. A bunch of us are going to go have sushi. Why don't you come with? She told me later that night, that Halloween party night, the next day she woke up knowing that she was going to marry me. Wow. And 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 truthfully, like I swear to god the next day I was walking from uh from from my neighborhood uh, which is basically at the time it was uh, Wicker Park in Chicago. I walked to the Loop, which won't mean anything to you unless you know Chicago yeah, 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 geography, yeah, yeah. but I walked Wicker Park to Loop which is probably like 5 miles. Um and the entire time it's like she's all I could think about. And, and really like, so this is, so we, we don't have the first date and it's not even really a date, right? It's just a bunch of us going to go have sushi on November 11th of 2006. And I don't remember when I proposed to her, but I know we were, we were engaged before new year's and we were married at the end of July of that next year. It was that fast. That's insane, Lou. Just, just right. Like just sushi made the trick. Blunt wig and sushi. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I don't know, somewhere between jello shots and sushi, magic happened. The sweet potato pie? Sweet potato pie, yeah. sushi, blunt wig, jello shots, guys. That's your formula <laughs> to love. I think that's that's a beautiful story, Lou. Thank you. And anybody who wants all of my rules to dating, just uh, email me through the website. Are they on an Excel sheet? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I haven't done that, but I can absolutely put it in Excel sheet format. So I think we better wrap this up because Roy's going to be really pissed off. Two stories of love that went too long. Okay, as they should. Anyways, <laughs> adios, Colinas. <laughs> Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. 
Sound Engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at gabrielroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.